we start a new down the rabbit hole in a new section or let's say a new side of the show that we start from today which which in which we're going to be making every month uh, news uh, we will be talking about the news of the month related to science and before I continue talking about this I would like to present Carl Baldwin hi Rafa How um, are you doing today? Well, it's how a, is the day going? It is a beautiful day, right? Ready for some news? I'm ready for some news. Are you? Oh, I'm ready. Are the listeners? I hope they are ready. Hmm? Last time, the extra extra, the news section was actually very successful. And interesting. And interesting, yes. Therefore, we decided to make this uh, section of news every month. Yeah, so right we here. can actually keep everybody up to date in yeah. what's going on about Be around news because there is science news. amazing things going on out there and uh, you don't get a mm -hmm. chance to uh, we read were, about it or we were talking before the show we started the show that it's like uh, when you start to actually realize the amount of news it's like living in the future right it, it you, is. you see how the future is catching up we with are everybody, living in the future aren't we? although maybe not everybody's aware of it uh, 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 yes the future tends to catch up with us all mm -hmm. doesn't it one way or another yes although i still haven't got my jetpack as i have said before <laughs> the rocketeer style jetpack yes thank you <laughs> i don't want any turbo fans or anything like that so yeah uh don't forget to subscribe to our show so you will receive immediately when it's published a new episode like this one or our regular topics that we will be running and if you have the chance give us a review Leave us some rating around yeah, and your comments and your thoughts about the show. And if you've got anything you'd like us to cover, then please tell us. Yeah, you can also suggest uh, yeah. to us some topics to discuss about. Yep. We're always interested in mm -hmm. new topics and suggestions that take mm -hmm. us in new directions. Exactly. So let's start with the news. Yeah. And I think we have to start with this one. Which was extremely exciting. Very, we were very excited. And watching, uh, like you were saying, watching the video of yeah. the persons there, how excited they were on every stage yeah. was very interesting. Shall I? And now I leave it to you. Shall I cover it? Yeah. Um, yeah, this is the um, news from SpaceX, the American uh, space launch uh, company mm -hmm. owned by uh, Elon Musk. Mm hmm. Um, that they have been pursuing for some time now. I think it's maybe a couple of years. They've been working on uh, testing, uh, recycling the rocket stages. Yeah. And although last December they actually did land a, a first stage back at, I think it was Cape Canaveral, mm -hmm. which is where they operate from now, Um, on the 8th of April this month, um, they actually managed to uh, recover the first stage of a Falcon 9 to a seaborne platform, or barge as they call it. Yeah. And I was saying to Rafa earlier that I watched the uh, live video of the control room at SpaceX, or at Cape Canaveral, I think it is, where they uh -huh. have the where they have the staff there as well of SpaceX, and it was it is astounding to watch that video. It, it's actually fascinating <laughs> to see 
How the rocket lands in the middle of the sea <laughs> to the platform. In fact, uh, we're now having uh, ourselves uh, a screen in front of us and we're watching, we're watching a little bit video. of the video again. Yeah. Uh, it's so exciting. And on the SpaceX um, site, they also have some stills of from the platform, from the barge, mm -hmm. of the first stage coming down, and they are fantastic. And, in fact, the Verge... Um, mm -hmm. Um, the Verge have a uh, series of still shots as well, which is absolutely fascinating. It's a tremendous achievement, obviously. I mean, as kids, right, we're both science fiction mm -hmm. fans, and as kids, obviously we've seen the old kind of 50s sci-fi movies where rockets are Return landing down. on planets... I think we both watched that series, The Thunderbirds, which recently has a kind of a remake. Yes, that's right. Uh, you know, that uh, number one yeah, was Thunderbird the one, Thunderbird yeah. one. Yeah. Does exactly a similar thing, actually. Uh, it, it even looks uh, like that, actually. Uh, well, and, oh, that, that is actually, that one there was the um, Blue Origins one, which uh -huh, uh -huh. just went by there. But yeah, so that's, again, the thing is, these kinds of concepts are, seem so familiar to us, but It's only just been achieved, right? Yeah, yeah. And yet, um, in the 60s and earlier in literature, science fiction, whatever, old 50s sci-fi yeah. movies, we were always seeing rockets landing on planets mm -hmm. using this kind of uh, concept. And yeah, the same approach. And here yeah. we are in 2016, we finally managed it. Yeah. And, and, and the, the, big, the big thing, what, you know, what does this mean? Why bother recovering... Um, stages, right? The the it's it's economic. So obviously, it is very expensive to launch a kilogram of material into of low Earth orbit. The, the expenses and the cost overall oh, are huge just for the simple launch. Yeah. So if you are able to recover these kind of materials it's to reuse them, hardware, right? Wow. Well, in fact, the. Um, The fuel, is a few numbers for you, the fuel um, that need, is required for a Falcon 9 launch mm -hmm. costs around $200,000. Uh, okay, that's not, not a great deal of money, shall we say, in the satellite uh -huh. business. If you're launching three or five satellites in one go, um, everybody can, um, you know, throw in for the petrol money, right? Yeah. Um, but, big problem, the actual Falcon 9 rocket itself costs about $60 million. <laughs> that, that ups the cost of the rental somewhat, right? So the thing is, if you as a satellite manufacturer, consortium, whatever it is, you're wanting to put up your nice shiny satellite, the thing is you've got to cover the cost of the Falcon 9 plus the, um, yeah. plus the profit for the launch. Obviously, you've got to put some fuel in there. Um, that's expensive, right? Yeah. And actually, th there was a kind of, uh, sorry to interrupt you, yeah. there was a, a simulation of how or why this uh, experiment was uh, more successful in especially cost-effective. Because if you would think of a rocket that you launch uh, mm -hmm. for, uh, let's say, a spacecraft, yeah. it has to return in a curved path to where it was launched, yeah. requiring more fuel and more control and probably more technology than you could have mm. while catching the 
the rocket in 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 the ocean yeah it's a more direct approach yeah because actually the drone ship which is called uh, that platform in the sea yeah it practically moves like a video game train to catching it up. <laughs> okay, it's coming here, you know, then the amount of fuel needed extra yeah. for landing the rocket you on can, the platform. You can minimize it. It's right? totally minimized yeah. and the platform moves around it yeah. and catches it up. It's yeah. a heck of a concept, right? Mm-hmm. And and just going back to uh-huh. the cost savings, so just a reminder that the Falcon 9 costs basically $60 million to roll one out of the factory dollars. If um, they can be successfully recycled, and um, there are still questions over how much refurbishment they need when they recover them, because mm-hmm. obviously they are tremendously stressed when you launch, um, which is never a problem if you're throwing it away, shall we say. Yeah. But, but when you recover it, you're going to have some uh, refurbishment cost, but, you know, lick of paint on the outside, all that stuff. Uh, but a NASA project manager called uh, Steve Paulus, he is he has estimated that if they can do this recycling, it could bring the cost of a launch uh, of, a say, a Falcon 9 down to under a million dollars. That is. Which... Uh, That's a game changer, right? If you compare 60 to 1... <laughs> <laughs> and what... It, 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 can make the the the, pro, the space programs to flourish again. Well, it, it it makes space or at least low Earth orbit more accessible, doesn't it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So before you know it, probably we will be putting our rubbish up there because it, <laughs> yeah. it will be cheap. <laughs> and there's and there is lots of room apparently. Yeah. Uh, who knows? So that's our our rocket space news yeah, for the day. The first one that we have. So extremely interesting. What have we got next? Still in space, right? Yeah, still in in, in space because there was uh, uh, some interesting news about Stephen Hawking. Yes, which uh, he's right now uh, teaming with uh, some people, let's say billionaires. Yeah, and he's backing up that an inter- interstellar travel project. That's right. This is with this breakthrough prize group. It's called a breakthrough uh, prize uh, project, and they are creating, uh, along with, you know, it's involved Mark uh, Zuckerberg and uh, Judy Milner. Yeah. Uh, They're all part of Breakthrough. Yes. Yeah. It's, especially those two are extremely involved in the project. Is That is called Breakthrough Starshot. Uh, because uh, Starshot is exactly what they are trying to build up. That's right. as A spacecraft to travel to another Star system. Star system. Alpha Centauri, in fact. Alpha Centauri within a generation. Within it. And the interesting, obviously, thing about it is that they're going to try and achieve it. Obviously, they've got $100 million to figure out how to do yes. it. Yes. But the general concept is to use a light sail with a very, very small payload. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the light sail is the means of propulsion. If, if listeners aren't familiar with a light sail, it's kind of like a giant umbrella, shall we say, uh-huh. and basically it uses light pressure to accelerate a package, a an object. Yes. So you can actually make a light sail work just with the... Uh, light from our sun, but mm-hmm. this project works using a large ground-based laser. Yes, it will have. It's called a 
gigawatt scale yeah. laser that's arrays. A big, that's a big laser, right? Yeah, and would achieve 20% the speed of light. <laughs> that is what they're And it will have to travel four light years away to Alpha Centauri. And it could take 30 years to do those mm-hmm. four light years, is what they're saying. And it's interesting because Milner, uh, last year, mm. also invested 100 uh, millions mm. in the search for signals of extraterrestrial intelligence. Yes. And now he's involved in... Sending a Yeah, not just package. searching for it, just let's go through to them. Yeah. So we, we... We are not getting them through radio signals or to whatever. We'll go and knock let's on the door. Let's go there. Yeah, let's, let's go, go to the door. Let's go and knock on the door, right? <laughs> or, or the other possibility we discussed was that uh, he's actually received an invitation and uh, he's not sharing that invitation, but they're going to do this. And... Uh, yeah. And right now, this actually is the first phase. It's is a study inv- phase. It's a right? study first Design phase. study. But they actually want to go to the second phase, which is building the actual tiny or nano or micro spacecraft. Yeah. And in fact, they, I, I have a trademarkable name for this device. Uh-huh. I think it should be called a spaceship. Actually... <laughs> Starship is called. Oh, it's called Starship. <laughs> I think spaceships better. Um, anyway, so the thing is, um, the nearest star to our own sun mm-hmm. is quite a distance away. Yeah. It's forty trillion kilometers. Wow, that is mm-hmm. by anybody's standards a fair old distance, right? Um, but what they're saying is that if they can accelerate this uh, star sail or yeah. sun sail uh, probe, uh, that they can potentially cross that distance in the lifetime, in less than the lifetime of a human being. Yes, and actually, um, this uh, breakthrough price, mm. uh, this organization is doing the funds and the research that actually governments uh, think well, that is too much. Mm. Too, specula- yeah, too speculative. Speculative and not worth maybe risking right now. Yeah, And, and, and it, this can be a shift. It could be a game changer, right? Yes, completely. And it is, I don't know about you, but I find it generally disappointing that my own government, I'm from uh, the UK, mm-hmm. uh, and governments around the world who can fund inspiration Inspirational research projects don't. Mm-hmm. Everything seems to be all very mundane. Nobody has any far-reaching ideas that they want to energize people with. It's all, yeah, you know, boring. It, right? it, it even seems like they are just trying to find ways to just divert them all. <laughs> yeah, that's right. yeah, yeah. But, you know, if we are searching for a real change in in discovery, in new knowledge. Yeah. These kind of projects can be really exciting. That can mean a, a difference. They are incredibly exciting and people mm-hmm. do get incredibly excited by them and you would it's fortunate we're living in a period I think where on the one hand um a small tiny minority of people have huge amounts of wealth yeah. like like Elon Musk like Mark Zuckerberg but mm-hmm. interestingly those these kinds of people like Bill Gates with the Bill Gates Foundation, yeah. they actually seem to have a sense of putting something back, don't they? And they are starting to realize that 
probably because let, let's put it like this after mm. second world war yeah. or during during and after a lot I, of uh, development happened yeah technological huge technological development mm. Mm. then we have come in a kind of uh, not totally down period there has been still a lot of advancement mm. and technologically speaking we have advanced as well mm. but not as giant step as we did in the past no and but but then of course war is a great motivator innovator right? <laughs> so there's a lot of yeah. huge innovations occurring in times of war and but like why not bring that motivation yeah. to develop you know without war yeah but government which is exactly that's incapable of that that right? the government doesn't seem to find it profitable or yeah. useful they're not while now private companies uh, seeking to bring the real future now make huge steps right now yeah why not yeah I mean, you know, bring bring for example, like Microsoft now with the Oculus Rift. Yes, bring virtual reality now here. Yes, although it, although I would question whether that is, um, shall we say, essential to the human race. Yeah. Well, I saw something actually. One of the most interesting uses that I found, especially talking about uh, space exploration, mm. is to be able to create your virtual reality, for example, around a rover. In right. Mars, right? Oh yes, I saw that. Yeah, yeah and you could manage and manipulate and see yeah. clearly down yeah. the rocks or uh, the yeah. the surface, make measurements, yeah. and guide it. It's almost like a virtual. You are there uh, watching yeah. the rover walk. And this is the Hololens, of course. Yes, the, the micro, uh-huh. which is slightly different to virtual reality. In mm, yeah. Hololens is augmented reality. Right? Augmented reality. Mm-hmm. You got. We got to get these things right. right? Yeah, true. We don't want to confuse people, right? And those nice people at Microsoft, uh-huh. <laughs> if anybody's listening, yeah, we'd love to try that out. Yeah, we? we could make a nice review about it. We would do a an inter- we dedicate a podcast to it completely, even two. We do it with the Hololens on. Right? Mm-hmm. Oh, that would be nice. I'm willing to do that. That would be really interesting, right? Mm. Anyway, so just finishing off on this yes. uh, Star Journey project. Um, Obviously, if they manage to achieve this, and I see no reason why they shouldn't, really. Um, obviously, there are some technologies that are not quite there yet, but that's it's the all, point of the research. It's all incremental stuff, mm-hmm. right? It's not revolutionary; it's evolutionary stuff. And um, obviously, the interesting thing is that if it manages to get there in thirty years' time, obviously, it will take. A, there's a four-year lag. On the communication, mm-hmm. so it's going to have to be pretty self-contained, isn't it? So it's yeah, unless in this lapse of time we develop some way of communicating, you know, uh, you think, which is yeah, you know, okay, more sci-fi side, uh, but and there is another slight concern, which is what would actually happen if you fired a multi-gigawatt laser through the Earth's atmosphere? <laughs> <laughs> Might there be some problems there? You can imagine all the fried birds, right? <laughs> so there'll be kind of fried chicken dropping to the ground everywhere. Well, I believe that potentially would be fired from space, orbiting. Do you, can you imagine how big a gigawatt laser is, though? You know, there is the, in the US, there is the, what do they call it, the ignition facility, which is uh-huh. where they used to simulate uh, nuclear explosions. Yes, yes. Military mm-hmm. studies, and they now use the same facility for fusion, 
fusion research. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've ever, if anybody wants to go and look at how big is that laser, it's like as big as a warehouse, right? It is yeah. huge. But yet again, there might be soon uh, new technological. In fact, yeah. I was reading an article also a couple of weeks ago about having the first uh, deployable, inflatable space station. You do know, I meant to actually add that to our program list this morning, and I, it's the Bigelow uh-huh. Inflatable Habitat. Right? Yeah, exactly. And I don't know whether people know about Bigelow Industries, but Bigelow is actually a guy, mm-hmm. and he's actually a billionaire property developer from Las Vegas. Yeah. And he actually bought some uh, old technology from NASA, that they kind of sidelined and said, oh, we're not Yeah, not that. now. <laughs> so they just kind of, you know, put it in the um, similar warehouse that they had in Raiders of the Lost Ark at the end, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing, right? And anyway, he bought the rights to it and his company developed it and they actually do have an inflatable habitat in orbit at the moment. Mm-hmm. Not, not too many people know about it. Um, maybe it's actually deorbited by now, but they have just sent... On this Falcon Nine, I think it was actually really the reuse the re- oh, okay. recovered one that delivered the Bigelow inflatable habitat to the space station. Uh-huh. Space station. Yeah, so that has arrived and uh, it will be deployed, deployed and installed in the next few weeks. An inflatable. Habitat, so imagine is. that you could build up this laser, this mm. giga in space, in space, in one of those. Environments in, the, in one of those inflatable stuff. Oh, possibly. Well, it's, it'd just be a big lump of hardware in orbit, wouldn't it? Right. But I mean, mm-hmm. just going, touching back on the Bigelow thing, the Bigelow uh, inflatable habitat. And again, not too many people are aware of Bigelow Industries. It's worth looking up. Mm-hmm. We, might, we might make a reference to it in our show notes. Yes. Uh, but his long term goal, believe it or not, is to have an orbital hotel. <laughs> Las Vegas guy. Las Vegas style. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so with a casino. Uh, undoubtedly a of casino. Course. And why not? Why not go to the orbital casino, right? For oh, that would be quite an experience. Uh, the rooms with a view. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a nice view. Uh yeah, exactly. I'm sh- I'm sure there'll still be no clocks in the casino itself. But <laughs> anyway, we should move on to the next thing, right? Yes, but Okay, so let's just move to the next one. Yeah. Um, Um, Medical. Medical. This is our medical section. Mm -hmm. Uh, We like to find interesting stuff uh, because, again, there are so many astounding developments. Mm -hmm. Constantly. Hardly ever get into the mainstream media. Mm -hmm. Um, And in a way, these people who do this kind of research, they're, to me... They are modern heroes mm-hmm. because of potentially what their work is going to mean to yeah. people suffering from various things. And here's one example, which is um, Ian Burkhart, who is uh, from Ohio in the US. He is a quadriplegic um, and... Um, he had a, a serious driving injury a, a few years ago, six years ago. His uh, spinal cord was damaged, uh, hence quadriplegic. But he can now use 
his ha- his fingers on his hand again, and he's actually able to play like Guitar Hero video game uh-huh. and actually play the Guitar Hero, uh, you know, the the interface, and that has been made possible by a chip that has been implanted into his brain. In the brain, and basically it um, picks up. Uh, signals from a particular part of his brain and the uh, chip signals, the signals that the chip picks up are decoded by a a computer and then they are then, um, it then generates uh, signals to activate muscles in his arm, his forearm. He has an electronic sleeve, he something has, attached to the wall. Like, he has uh, kind of like a sleeve that slips over his arm, and he can actually command his fingers, and it's the first time he was actually shocked at being able to actually use his <laughs> hand after the procedure, because, of course, he's never not been able to move it for six years. And the sensor is, is reading the activity of... Uh, um, hundreds of neurons in his motor cortex, yeah. and then be, obviously being interpreted and resulting in a change of someone's quality of life. Right? Yes. These are these are astounding achievements, and uh, the sleeve that he wears that stimulates the muscles has 130 Electron. electrodes in it that stimulate the muscles, and he can now grasp. Uh, and move large objects, and he can pour uh, the contents of a glass or swipe a credit card. Um, now, it has to be said that well, he, this takes he hours. had to learn, right? He yeah, had to learn how takes to do hours. It. Yeah. And he apparently become, became really quite exhausted by it. But mm-hmm. uh, obviously with practice, he is um, becoming, it's becoming easier to do. Yeah, he's uh, hoping to be able to regain as much uh, mobility and function as possible. Yeah. Hoping fully, but we'll see. Yeah. Like we said, it takes time for him and the program to learn about the impulses and what he wants to do. Yeah, and of course, these are small incremental technology steps Mm -hmm. that maybe one day something like this technology could allow a quadriplegic to stand up and walk, right? it's just the first step. It's, it's a, actually it's a huge step yeah. that can evolve yeah. later into something more complex. And the and the thing about this kind of research is that obviously nobody can really make any money out of this, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And unfortunately, this is what holds back actually a lot of this research because obviously it is tremendously expensive to do. Mm-hmm. You need, obviously, lots of expert people and yeah. scientists. And, so and, and so. like we said, all these developments go, you know, based incremental because yeah. in 2012, a woman used her own thoughts to control a robotic arm. Yeah. And now the fact that after this experiment, now based on that, mm. somebody can control its own body, it's a further step. It is a further step. And, and clearly you can see that it's going to carry on along that vein. Mm-hmm. Um, and potentially restore quality of life to probably many, many thousands of people yeah. around the world. And again, because it's not a profit mm-hmm. kind of uh, for profit kind of activity, uh, unfortunately, 
it doesn't potentially get the funding it fully needs. But yeah, I'd imagine if some of these philanthropic organisations like Bill Gates Foundation or mm-hmm. this Breakthrough Prize, how much money they could put into these kinds of things. I don't know how, yeah. how much they are doing, but I'm sure some of them are doing but we need more of this right these are these are these are i think these are very heroic um activities that people are doing very Mm -hmm. enriching yeah and that is actually kind of linked to the next one which is the spinal cord repair yeah this uh again was something done quite recently which was that um cells and i think they're actually adult Stem cells, I think they are, mm-hmm. which uh, reside in uh, the upper part of your nose in the olfactory bulbs. Uh, they were taken and used to um, repair a spinal injury. And um, this guy from Poland, I think, Derek Fit. Fit- Fit- Fitka, I think is how it's pronounced. A 40-year-old from Poland um, can now ride a bike (laughs) after the spinal cord repair, whereas previously he couldn't. And um, Dr. Mark Bacon, who works for the Spinal Research um, Society in the United Kingdom, um, he is greatly encouraged by the number of therapeutic um, options that are emerging to restore function, mm-hmm. of, which, of which obviously we've just talked about a couple. And and although things are still in their infancy, very experimental, yeah. um, he is thinking that things are heading in the right direction for even greater breakthroughs in the not-too-distant future, so... Mm-hmm. Amazing stuff, right? Yeah. So, that's the end of that one. Rafa, what's yes. next? Well, uh, industry now. Yes, although we can move to one of the other two news up, because mm-hmm. we're still in medical. Okay. To one that it's related, oh, which yeah. is a new device that can ease chronic pain. Mm. Now, this is also related to... Uh, what we were talking in the first one about mm-hmm. an implant. Oh, yeah. So this implant goes to your brain and through stimulating the oh. ventral tegmental area of the brain, it can actually uh, take off pain mm. that then maybe you can have a surgery, you can have or treat an accident or treat mm. even maybe a headache. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, yes, I presume it's uh, obviously, as you say, it's a non-drug it, uh, yes. treatment. Although it does, it is invasive. It's invasive because it requires you got to have this thing an implant in the brain. Hmm. But it would save you from the input of drugs yeah. and secondary effects and yeah. so on. Because, of course, we know long. Obviously, if you're a chronic pain sufferer, then mm-hmm. potentially uh, you're facing a lifetime of drug use. Yes, and of can course, actually deteriorate, alternate your, uh, yeah. uh, alter your quality of life. Yeah, and there is literally not a drug that doesn't have a side effect or 100 percent effective. Yes, yeah, right. <laughs> so they all have side effects of one, all of them, one way or another. Yes. So obviously, something that possibly could. Um, remove the requirement to 
have a yeah. lifelong regime. And then it, it just made me thinking, you mm. know, maybe in the future, yeah. all these components, different components that can be brain implants, mm. could come into a moment when they could be assembled together. You know, you need a board of these, yeah, and a like board a of modular that, thing, right? a module, everything modular. <laughs> yeah, yes. Well, we've talked before, obviously, about... Um, augmenting uh, the human the human yeah the human body and uh, again these are all small steps small movements in this direction aren't they mm-hmm. um obviously there are issues about power powering um yes. issues about control obviously and as you mentioned before one of our favorite subjects is yes you have the brain implant But can they track your location? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they will be able to track your location with it. <laughs> I think each one should obviously come with its own Facebook yes. page. But uh, yeah. How we were calling it, the transhumanists and so yeah. on, right? Post-human, yeah. transhumanists, right? Uh-huh. Uh, and maybe each device should have its own Twitter account I don't know, <laughs> to communicate with the user. Yeah. Right? So, there's yeah. another news related to medicine or, or mm. health somehow. Mm. Uh, there were some recent news about HIV being treated with uh, the CRISPR tool, yeah. the tool which is a gene editing technology. Yeah, it's like a pair of scissors, really, yes. for snipping g- uh, gene DNA. And recently, this week, actually, was published that HIV could mutate to evade attempts to modify it with hmm. the CRISPR. Uh, It's a slippery customer, is HIV? Right? Yes, yeah, that tough one, I believe. Um, because uh, they were saying that the problem is that uh, uh, inactivating uh, several essential HIV genes at once mm. uh, or using the CRISPR in combination with HIV attacking drugs mm. uh, could lead that uh, T cells uh, resistance to HIV invasion. Yeah. And they would mutate and resist those attacks. Yes. And it's it's interesting to see... The mechanism that they they think is causing potentially would cause it, which is that we were talking earlier about. Uh-huh. There was a report recently of a um, experiment study, whatever you want to call it, where this CRISPR tool was used to edit HIV out of DNA. DNA, and when you uh, when you edit it out, um, the DNA ends have an, their own repair mechanism and they join up the loose ends, right? Mm-hmm. And, and in this experiment, they showed that they were able to completely eradicate, eradicate uh, the HIV. But obviously this report is from somewhere else. Yeah. And they're saying, well, it's not quite that straightforward. And in fact, the what they're talking about is that this repair mechanism that the DNA has where it joins the ends back up, when it joins them, that's where the problem can occur. And it it can lose some of the letters, you know, in the DNA. In the DNA sequence. In the gene sequence. Mm -hmm. So when it loses, um, they're called indels, these Uh letters. uh It's, what is it, EFG something or T something. Uh Uh Um, G-A... GE. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, we must do more study. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, so that repair mechanism isn't perfect. Yes. And um, actually, what we leave you doing is probably having like a new version of the virus. Yeah. That the, the CRISPR uh, editing, editing uh, tool 
inadvertently causes and cannot maybe detect the new version yeah, of exactly. the virus. So it'll effectively, you're, you're and then you will have to tune it to again. a new one, a new version, and a new version, yeah. and a new version. And then, of course, the problem is, of course, if you then use the same technology, then it just can be perpetuates, perpetuated. Yeah. So th these are these are these are yeah. cautionary. Uh, stories from yes. the world of science for this kind of stuff. Yeah, although uh, uh, by being alert of this mm. can help you to try to avoid to get into it. Exactly. exactly. Uh, and obviously these kinds of things need to be addressed because yeah. the last thing we need <laughs> is uh, different versions of HIV, right? Yeah. An HIV virus that we, uh, virus that will develop its own intelligence yeah. Yeah. <laughs> after who's changing it so much genetically. Who's, <laughs> who's to say it isn't already? Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there we go. What else have we got? And we get to a last news yeah. about uh, some industrial oh, changes. Yes, this is interesting because scientists uh, create the world's smallest diet out of DNA. Yeah. So researchers from the U.S. and Israel say that they have developed the world's Smallest diode. Now, just for the listeners, a diode mm -hmm. is a, an electronic function mm -hmm. that lets an electric current flow in one direction, in one direction but blocks it the other the way. other way. And using that very basic action, you can create a lot of functionality. Yes. So, carry on. And this is called the uh, nanoscale diodes. They have the properties that resemble traditional electronic components. Mm. Uh, the only difference is that they are extremely, extremely small. Well, nano scale, right? So yes. um, what's can we give a number for nano scale? It's um, mm. uh, there is one a, to the. There's a number, isn't there? That's very. If we talk about a human hair, something crazy like a millionth of the width of a human hair. Mm, yeah, it's absolutely unbelievably small. Yeah, and. And the thing about this potential technology in terms of fabricating devices, chips, chips. Uh, microchips, processors, is that, of course, this is a huge scale leap downwards from our current fabrication yeah. technologies. Currently, we work at scales of about, I think it's four to six micrometers. Mm -hmm. This is... Nano. Nano. It's way under. It's a factor. And they call it breaking the law. It's this Moore's technology. law, right? Moore's yeah. law. Yeah, Moore's law being the the rule that generally... The number of transistors in a circuit... Doubles every 24 minutes. No. Although I think the, the original... Every two years, something Every like two years. That's been going on since the 60s, mid-60s. Mm -hmm. And we're reaching a... We're, we're at the edge now. Edge, yeah. So this could be a game changer. Yeah. In nanotechnology or in reducing the chips and boards well, and things used in electronics. Speed, obviously, because everything's closer course. together. Heat, because heat, everything's closer heat. together. Or no heat at all. Well, there will be heat, probably. But much less. But it's because, barely perceivable, probably. Because everything's next to each other rather mm -hmm. than being, you know, some distance away, whatever. Um has to be said, obviously, there are there have been a number of announcements like this mm -hmm. of breakthrough uh, technologies scale-wise, and we've yet to see much coming out of it. Obviously, there is the whole thing around um, uh, the 
um, carbon-based, um, what's it called? Um, oh, God, I've forgotten. <laughs> yeah, so there's been a lot of speculation around graphene, for example. That's uh-huh. this two-dimensional carbon sheets that have uh-huh. very useful properties in terms of uh, building um, active structures for chips, potential Uh future chips. In fact, there are some, I know that IBM have created prototype graphene transistors Uh uh, that work very nicely. Again, the problem they currently have with graphene is how do you produce it on an industrial scale predictably? Yeah. And, same problems with these this nano stuff. Mm-hmm. We've talked before about nanotechnology and all, all like the nano storage. Yeah, all this stuff. DNA storage. Yeah, all this, and we're some time away from it. Yes, of course. But uh, imagine that if you have already uh, with DNA nano parts, then with DNA you have uh, DNA storage. You are practically already starting to build up uh, such a small. Mm. computer yeah, that's right. with such a huge power of processing and storing you're certainly we're certainly seen to be assembling the technologies that mm-hmm. at some point are going to come together come together and produce a computer in a pinhead or something yeah and with that news mm. we finished today the news we're exhausted yeah whoa that was the research we have yeah. to do with this right I should put some of one of those chips implants in my brain now oh. I I already have one. (laughs) People who know me will testify. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Carl. See you next week. Yeah, thank you, Rafa. So my name is Rafael Ruiz, and we are going to talk to you next week. More subjects, more sci-fi. More binary podcasting. More binary podcasting down the rabbit hole. All names, sounds, logos, and other related items are owned by their respective trademark and copyright holders. This podcast is a production of Darkmind Radio. Go to darkmindradio.com to find out more. All rights reserved, Darkmind Radio 2016.